Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Scipio. The number one challenge every salesperson faces right now is how to have more conversations with more potential customers and land more appointments. And that's why you've got to go check out Scipio today. I've had too many sales leaders tell me how Scipio has transformed their ability to make contact with customers faster and easier than ever before that I had to go check them out myself. Salespeople using Scipio see a 5x improvement in landing appointments and a 40% lift in show rates. And that means more conversations, which we all know means more sales. Listen, everything has changed in the last year. And that means the way you connect with customers needs to change too. Scipio has the best automated texting platform for building personalized relationships at scale that I have ever seen. But don't take my word for it. Head over to Scipio at Scipio.com and use the code SPRINGFREE for one month on the plan of your choice courtesy of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Again, that's Scipio, S-K-I-P-I-O dot com, and use Spring Free to find out just how good a modern messaging platform can be. The Sales Leadership Podcast is also brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. We're all facing new challenges, and if you need someone to talk shop with, I've got you. If you want to become an elite, legendary sales leader for the team you lead, hit me up. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, I am really excited to introduce our new guest. Marcus Chan has sold it all, like literally. He's gone from speedos to seven-figure enterprise deals. Marcus trains salespeople and sales leaders worldwide to help them become more successful almost immediately. After breaking records as an individual contributor and as a sales leader for 14 years and leading teams of up to 110 salespeople, Marcus formed Venley Consulting Group to help salespeople sell more and sell better. His work has become so well-documented and so successful that not only has his business grown ridiculously fast, he's turned a ton of heads as he's done it. He's an executive member of the Forbes Business Council, was recently named by Salesforce as one of the top sales influencers in the world to follow, and Marcus is one of my very favorite followers in the sales community. If you don't know about Marcus and what he does, and if you're not following him yet, by the time this show's over with, you will, and you need to be following him immediately. We are all in for a real treat today as we discuss what I think are some of the biggest challenges in sales today. Marcus, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining hey. us. Rob, it's my absolute pleasure. You are giving me a huge head here, so we're going to lower the expectation, but we'll have some fun today. I 100% promise that. I know you will, Marcus. I, I've been a fan of yours for a while. I know if there's one thing about you, you always bring heat. You always make it something that's useful, and I'm grateful that you join us. Our, our, our leaders, we've got thousands of leaders around the world that are in for a real treat today. So why don't you start by telling uh, these people about Venley and what you and your organization do for your customers? Yeah, incredibly simple. So we help B2B sales professionals uh, earn an additional fifty to $100,000 more in commission bonuses in their first year and beyond without working hard or making thousands of cold calls. So very, very simple. And we do it through our high-performance coaching and training programs. Nice. So let's, <clears throat> let's back up on that a little bit. Let's, let's talk about how you got started in sales and, and, and your story a little bit that led you to being able to start Venley and being able to provide such a valuable resource. Because I love how simple it is. I love how specific it is. And, and I can tell our listeners, you're on the show for a reason. Uh, you are as good. <clears throat> you are that good. And, and I'm excited for them to hear that. But maybe give us a little bit about your story and what led you to starting Venley. Yeah, absolutely. So first off, uh, I wasn't a quote-unquote born salesperson. That wasn't something I wanted to do. In fact, when I graduated college, I had no idea exactly what I was going to do. Now, my parents had wanted me to be a doctor, a lawyer, accountant, etc. I didn't do any of those things. And what I did do was I started B2B sales, much to their dismay. And uh, for me, when I started, it wasn't that I said, oh, you know what? I want to go B2B sales. <clears throat> it was more so 
because of the opportunity, it was an opportunity to build a startup from scratch. And I saw the potential for growth and opportunity and just learning. So for me, it's just going in there, eyes wide open, see what's going to happen. You know, maybe do something cool. No idea. I didn't even I didn't even consider myself in sales until I started. And then when I started, I was the absolute worst rep. <laughs> okay, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I did everything my boss told me, which meant making thousands of cold calls, walking to thousands of doors, sending out thousands of emails, and didn't really have any success. Now, uh, eventually, I did figure it out. I almost quit multiple times, but I eventually figured it out, started having success, and was really fortunate and got getting promoted 10 times in 10 years to the point where I was leading really large sales forces, doing you know multiple nine figures a year in sales revenue contracts. And it got to the point where uh, you know I, was, I felt really fortunate. I was really enjoying what I was doing, and I was helping a lot of people. And I, it got to the point where I knew if I wanted to serve at a greater level, to serve beyond the company I was at and the people that were in the company, I needed to do it on my own. And early on, when I first had this itch, I it wasn't like overnight I'm going to go do this. It, 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 was, it was an itch that was itching for about four plus years. And at first started, people kept saying to me, they said, Marcus, hey, listen, how did you get promoted 10 times in 10 years? I'm like, well, uh, I'm not sure. I guess let me kind of break it up. They're like, you should write a book. So I actually wrote an ebook and I started, I started to sell it online. This is like when ebooks are starting to get popular. I'm like, hmm. And I started making some money online. Like, this is really interesting. People are actually buying this. This is very odd to me. It wasn't a lot. $9 a book is not, not, not earth-shattering, but it was an idea put into fruition. Then I started thinking to myself, what do people ask me a lot of questions about? And I started really paying close attention. And I uncovered the most common questions were very basic B2B questions. What I thought was basic. And stuff I thought was common knowledge, but it was just stuff I, I had figured out and accumulated through my years of trial and error mistakes. So I'm like, you know what? I should build a program for past Marcus Shan. Many Marcus Shan who graduated from college and wanted to start B2B sales from A to Z exactly how to win in B2B sales. So at the time, I was still traveling nonstop 80 plus hours a week in a hotel room 100 plus nights a year. So in my, my free time, yeah, it was crazy. And I built this on my free time outside of that. So I built, I started building this online course. And after two years of building it, I did a really soft launch. And I remember waking up overnight, didn't know if anyone would buy it, woke up made $2,000 overnight. Nice. At that point, right, I realized I now had a vehicle in which I could impact the world and really help more BB sales professionals. I can now help people all across the world in any country, any background, anywhere. So I planned out my, you know, my early retirement from corporate America, I, I took nine months. I planned it all out. I made sure I got all my stock, and planned it, hit my presence club, got my trip, did all that stuff. Want to get that out of the way first. And then start my business, right, in September 2019. And that was incredible because um, I went all in. And it was definitely scary. It was really hard to leave, you know, an, uh, an, a pretty successful corporate career, great compensation, great re- track record to start my own business. But it was well worth it. And in, uh, it, I've been, we've been now in business now for over um, 19 months. Uh, there's ups and downs just like anything else. But it's been incredible because now we, are, we have over 300 plus clients that are all across the world. And it's been amazing being able to impact them very quickly to get them the results that they want. To be able to show them a sales process that allows them to achieve their goals and their dreams. Mm. And that's why I'm doing it, to be able to serve at a higher level. Because there's no greater satisfaction when I get that text message, that direct message, that email. Someone says, hey, listen, I wasn't sure I tried this and I was able to get this result. And that's amazing. That's one of the best feelings in the world, right? And it's really being able to serve now at an even greater level. And it's pretty cool to be able to be uh, a catalyst, if you will, to be part of contributing to making sales a great profession to be in. So that's what I do what I do. But it's been, a, it's been an incredible journey so far. Marcus, you just said something that I want to sit on before we get into the stuff that we thought we were going to talk about. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll get to that. But you just said two things. I'm telling you, man, I'm, I'm, my notebook is already like a half page deep just of what you just said. Okay. Um, you just said you had this great desire to serve. And, and, yes. and that's what, that's what fuels you right now in your business that you have with Venley this desire to serve the sales community, this desire to help them be great, this desire to help them be more and be better and be more fulfilled. And you can probably hear me start like I'm going faster, man, because you're speaking my language with this. Mm. How important is that attitude for a sales leader? Okay. Mm. A sales leader, this is the sales leadership podcast. We've got thousands of sales leaders around the world. This is a topic that we didn't prep to talk about. And frankly, it's not one that I've addressed much on the show, but 
it was the go-to thing that you brought. Can you talk for a second about that concept of wanting to serve? How important and how critical is that for a sales leader to be successful? Oh, it's, it is massively successful, right? Because I believe to sell at the is to sell effectively is is to serve at the highest level, mm. right? To sell effectively is to serve at the highest level, and as a sales leader, you know your sale your the way you sell is very different now, right? Yeah, you can maybe meet clients and prospects, but now your ability to sell to your team and get them on board to your vision is absolutely vital. And you have transactional leaders and you have transformational leaders. A transactional leader is always focused on the number. What did you do today? Who did you call today? How much did you sell today? How much did you sell last month? And that leads to very transactional. That's not truly, that's not serving your people. You know, a true leader is really serving their people. And when you internalize as a sales leader, to serve them is to sell them, right? To sell them is to serve them and vice versa, right? When you internalize that, now you start thinking a different way. So when your sales rep has a, has a month that they struggle, instead of like, like you know beating them down, telling them how awful they are, you now are rethinking how you work with that sales rep. Is now it's like, hey, how can I serve them? What obstacles do they have in place? How can I remove the obstacles? How can I be a better leader to them? How can I remove obstacles? How can I provide the resources, the training, the support, the coaching, the feedback to help them be the best version of them? How can I remove all reasons and excuses that they may have and position them to have the highest possible win rate for themselves in the role? And you cannot do that if you do not believe in servant leadership and selling that way to them. If you think of it, if you're transactional, you'll get transactional results. You'll have high turnover. You'll be constantly recruiting. You'll always have open headcount, and you'll always be chasing a quota. Versus being able to serve your people, then your headcount fills. You are staffed in a great spot. You are retaining people. You are developing them. And when you are developing them, not only do they exceed their quota, now they're showcasing discretionary effort discretionary effort which helps with other parts of the business now when you serve them they want to serve you and the rest of the team but it starts with the attitude of the leader the agile leader shifts the whole organization so if your whole team is struggling you gotta ask yourself are you truly serving them or are you serving yourself marcus we may not get back to the other (laughs) stuff because i think this is actually way more important to be really honest with you. Totally. Yeah. And we may have to have you come back as a part two in a couple months <laughs> and do what we were going to do in the first place because I, I can't, in good conscience, not sit on this for a minute because there's totally. what you just said is big and there's a lot of ramifications to it. Mm-hmm. And I want to peel this back for a couple minutes Dude. if you don't mind. Um, Absolutely. We are quota driven to, you know, I mean, it's a fact. We wake up in the morning and right. we have a quota we got to hit. Our job as sales leaders is to fuel the growth of the company, to give the resources that pay for everything that the company needs, right? Mm -hmm. And and we don't make excuses for that. We don't begrudge that. I mean, that's something we raise our hand and we sign up for the more button. More button is part of who we are. That's right. But what you just said is a big deal. We have to, as we push that more button, we have to make sure that we're signing up also to transform people. This idea of transformation versus transaction if I don't sit on it for a minute, I'm going to allow it to be a buzzword. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I like, I like that. I, I want to, I want to define that a little bit because it was a go-to out of the box for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Would you mind spending a little bit of time just about how do you chase quota and still transform people rather than transact with people? Can, oh, is that okay? Absolutely. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm a very simple belief in leadership. You lead the people, but you manage the processes. So you have to have processes and systems in place that help with managing the number, right? So yes, you do need trackers, you do need CRM, you do need some of those tools, you do need KPIs, hopefully not KPI overload, but you do need those type of things that help you manage those pieces, all right? Right. Those are tools designed to be tools. They're not designed to be a leader, they're designed to be a tool to help you. But you as a leader, you how you utilize them makes it transformational. And the way I picture it is very simple. It's as if this. If I was to give, you know, uh, you know, a toddler a pencil to draw, they might just scribble all over the place. I give it to someone like a Michelangelo and they create a masterpiece of the same tool. One is transactional, one's transformational. 
All right, it's the same tool. That's mm. no different with leadership. And you have these different tools and KPIs, and many of them use it as a very transactional way. But here's the truth: if you if you help your people become the best version of them in their life, their sales life, their personal life. Mm. The side effect of that is they are happier, more fulfilled, and they produce better results, and they exceed quota. They win the awards. They they do more discretionary effort. They show up more. They're more they're they're more willing to put in the habits that lead to success. So instead of them feeling like they have to, they do it because they want to. But let's get really tactical because it's not like oh suddenly you hire somebody oh. I'm just going to talk about fluffy la-la stuff. They're going to be awesome. and They're going to be great because that's not how it works. That's not reality. So this is where it's so key. I'll, 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 I'll give you an example. So when I, when I brought someone new on, okay. one of the first things I would do is I would have a fellow what's called an individual development plan. That's not a new concept. Yep. But inside this, the one I had designed was very simple. Inside there, I asked questions I wanted them to answer. How best can I lead you? How best do I receive feedback? How best do I receive coaching? What has past leaders done in the past that has driven you crazy? What can you get the most out of you? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What are your personal goals? What are your professional goals? Where do you see yourself in the next three to five years? So you start to fill this out and it forces them to think. Oh, one of them is also uh, what intrinsically motivates you? Not extrinsic, intrinsically motivates you. And I'll have a set meeting with them, and we focus. We don't talk about numbers. They're brand new. We literally just talk about them. And I use it as a tool, as a guide to talk through with them. Hey, help, tell me a little more about this. You mentioned that your past manager was a micromanager. What did, you, what did you mean by that? Well, you know, they were always on my case. Well, tell me more. Well, every single day, they would text me twice a day to see what I was doing. Mm. <laughs> so in your perfect world, what would you like to see? Well, trust me, do my job, and you know, having a, a weekly one-on-one is perfect, beautiful. So now I'm, I'm covering boundaries, what's on their mind, what's important to them, etc. On top of that, now I start digging deeper. What are their personal goals? What are their professional goals? And a lot of times, what's crazy is those personal goals they have, which might be, I want to pay off debt, I want to buy a house, I want to propose to a spouse, I want to invest in my kid's future, I want to do X. If they exceed their quota, they're going to get those personal goals too. Amen. So, so all I did was really uncover where do they really want to go, right? And that was key. So that way, every time I was having conversations with them, whether it's coaching up, you know, and helping them, or you know, you know, commending them, it was always tied to their personal goals. It wasn't tied to the quota because the hidden, hidden quota is now a side effect of them obtaining their goal. So that's the first we having the IDP conversation just to begin with, right? Now, you cannot forget about it, right? So I built additional tools. So every single week, I had a weekly one-on-one with them to dive into what obstacles they have. How can I remove them? How can I make them better? How can I help them take the next level? Removing the obstacles and helping them ensure that they know those are obstacles, not just to their quota, but those are obstacles to their own personal goals. So now we're having transformational conversation where I'm coaching them up and helping remove obstacles. On top of that, you cannot be an arm, you can't be an armchair quarterback. Meaning, you can't just sit in your office and just say, "Go do this, go do that, go do this." Show them, help them. If they're struggling, book appointments. Get on the phone and show them how it's done. Mm. If their emails aren't converting, rewrite their email for them and show them the format and teach them, make them better. Because when you teach them how to do it, it starts to spread. Then they know you're truly fully invested into their goals as well, right? Now, going back to the individual development plan, every six months, we review it. So this way, every single week, boom, we're still talking about it in the one-on-ones. But then every six months, we are also talking about it as well. Incredibly important. So now you're really showcasing how you truly are vested into them and their long-term growth. That's not a transactional thing. You're not talking about your number. You're talking about only about them. And when you do that, you become a better leader in their eyes as well. Now, there's other things you can do as well. So I had some other ninja moves I would do because I would actually make sure I would endear and engage their spouse as well. Because when they're endear and engaged to me, they'll perform a higher level too because now they have back Mm. pressure too. Marcus, I like it. I appreciate that you brought up this. This because I think that connecting to the person has always been an important part of the of the leadership role. But I actually think it's become more important in the last year. I think 
I think, and, and you know, like right now we're in mental health awareness month as we record this yes. and, and the whole person is more important than the salesperson. And it's been more important than ever in the last bit. Yeah. You know, you've probably seen it. There's been a lot of stuff being written recently that there's going to be something that they call the great resignation coming as people right. come back to work. I, oh, I mean, yeah. I, I, it was in Bloomberg yesterday. It's been, oh, it's yeah. been everywhere. And, and we as leaders had better make sure that we're connected to those people rather than just their output or else this could really hurt. I want to ask yeah. one more question before we get moved off of this. Yeah. Yeah. You use one of the terms that I really love. It's, it's one of my favorites. We could have a whole episode just on this. So I want to take just a couple more minutes and then we'll probably parlay back. Uh, but this has been gold. Thank you. Discretionary effort. Yeah. We get an expectation of a specific kind of effort because we pay for a salary and we buy some time. We, you know, when you hire someone, you're buying their time, you're buying their right. body for whatever period of time. Right. Mm-hmm. But what you're talking about is tapping into the heart and the soul and the sure. mind, right? That's right. what you're talking about. Um, is there any, like you've given us a great blueprint. I don't want, I don't want to feel like I'm asking you to just regurgitate. And if it's mm-hmm. the, what you already said, fine, but I, mm-hmm. I can't let this fly by because it's too important. For our listeners that love this show because we give them action-oriented game plans, which you've just done, is there like one or two things that you would say, if you want to tap into discretionary effort, here are one, maybe two things that you might want to be thinking about to try and go past getting the body and get into the heart, soul, and mind? Yeah. So I'm going to give you a couple different things, which is really key, right? So number one, I'm going to give you a a strategy that's going to help across the board. This will win the hearts and minds, not just of – um, of the of the sales professional, but also their spouses as well. Beautiful. So, so one thing that I did, I did every six months. I called a gratitude newsletter. Okay, okay. and the gratitude newsletter was very simple. So every six months, I would have you know I'll have my admin or someone on my team right email all the reps in my in my market, and I'll say, hey, I want you to go ahead, and I want you to send me in pictures of things you were able to accomplish because of your work success. Do not send me pictures of work events. Do not send pictures of trophies, unless that's what makes you happy. Send me stuff. What were you able to do with the money? What were you able to do with your PTO? What were you able to do with your great success? And I'll get a flood of pictures of people having baby, or not, you know, after the baby came out, having, you know, <laughs> having new babies, right? Uh, going on vacation, giving back time, giving money, um, celebrating birthdays, you know, buying new toys, cars, houses, whatever is going to be, right? And I took all those pictures and I put it into a newsletter. And in the newsletter, I would have this, it would be, it'd be printed in color and I would have a message to them. Okay. And the message was written to the spouse. Nice. Right? So, but, you know, it'll be, it'll be like, hey, so-and-so, like, uh, you know, we've just had another banner quarter, you know. And, yes, we had these pretty cool results, at least a couple of things. But most importantly, what I am most proud of is what each of you have been able to accomplish with your families as a result of your work success. And I would list out the different bullet points of things I saw. And then I would surround with pictures. Love it. Right? And then what would happen, because it was very intentional, because I would have it mailed home to their spouse's name. They print it out. And because there's pictures on it, it will be placed on their fridge. Okay. Right. And I was very intentional. I sent it out a month before I usually saw, I saw turnover spikes. All right. Okay. Very intentional. Right. So typically we saw, we saw a spike right after new year's, right? People have new year's resolutions, whatever it's going to be. Right. So after Thanksgiving, that early December timeframe, boom, gratitude newsletter, right? Be, our fiscal year started in June and so boom. boom again, right before same thing. So it was intentional. It was a part. It was an employee retention strategy, but also designed to win the hearts and minds of their people. Now you can, of course, sprinkle this in. I also did handwritten notes to their spouses every quarter as well, recognizing each specific person. You know, to my direct leaders, I'll literally ask to their spouse's name. Hey, just so and so, just to let you know. Um, you know, Rob had another banner quarter with his team. I'm so proud. You know, this is what they have accomplished. I don't know if he brags at home or not, but he's been crushing it i'm so thankful so lucky to have him on a team here's some things he's done so far with, with us as well from discretionary effort perspective boom if you have any questions if you have anything at all call me so good that, marcus that, that gets printed too so just those two things right there is really going to help now um on top of that right like if you really want to tap into discretionary effort of your people a very simple thing is people in general people want to be helpful okay. they want to be helpful so if you see something 
that someone on your team is doing a great job with, ask them to do something more with that. That's going to help more people. So, for example, if you see people on your team, and let's just say, for example, they are doing a great job with, um, you know, their phone script. Let's make it something up. Maybe their phone script is a little bit different, and it's, it's spicy, it's new, it's working great for them. Yep. Awesome. Instead of just saying, great job, keep it up, pull them aside say, hey, listen, hey, Rob, I just want to tell you, I am so impressed. Like, over the last four weeks, this is what you've done so far. It's killer. Hmm. Would you be open to putting together maybe a mini training that you can train our team on in a few weeks from now? Whether you want to do it on like Google Doc or Power, it's up to you, but you did such a good job. Would you be open to doing that? They'll be like, yeah. Most of them, they're going, yeah, that sounds awesome. They're excited because now you are empowering them. And then, of course, once they, they're done with that, don't let them be the last thing. After they get done, send them an email, CC your boss as a leader, ah. and give them some kudos. Hey, Rob, just want to tell you, man, like you've already been you know, doing an amazing job with these results. And now you just train our team, you know, you know, hey, you know, hey, boss, hey, boss, man, check out, check out what Rob's been doing. This might be a really cool training for the region, you know, if you want to do something down the road. So now Rob is feeling so good. His heart's full. His mind's full. He's getting endeared. He's getting recognition. He's in every part of the respect model of leadership. And Mm. as a result of that, now he wants to do even more. And you can do it, you, you rinse and repeat, you rinse and repeat, you rinse and repeat. And you, do, you raise your people up so they feel empowered to do, to do more. And that's so vital. Now, you, you do not want to celebrate mediocrity. It's important, though. So if you have someone who's being mediocre, you don't want to celebrate mediocrity. You have to be careful. There's, there's a balance there, right? So I'm not saying it's a rah-rah culture. You still want to establish it's a peak performing culture. And those who perform can do more will get that recognition and be more empowered. Success breeds freedom. So show us success. Let's help you be successful. Dude, that's gold. That's so good. Thank you for taking the pit, the pit stop <laughs> off of where we were. And I love that you had that, that depth that you could just go to that that fast. So thank you. Uh, that's something that every one of our listeners will benefit from. So thank you so much. So Absolutely. now that we're in the world of discretionary effort, let's talk about where that discretionary effort gets pointed. Okay. And so that world of prospecting, you know, that, that pipeline, that is your lifeline. It's easily in my mind, I don't think there's even a close second. It is the most important skill. It is the most important part. If you identify opportunities and attract opportunities the right way, the rest becomes pretty straightforward, man. Right. And um, so let's talk about that. When you got that discretionary effort, they're now ready to go and double down and triple down and and do these things because sales is hard. We we are not in an easy perspective. We're not in an easy profession. You know, this is not for people that just want to show up to work every day and then go home to their family, right? That, that's, it could be the highest paying job in the world or the lowest paying job in the world, depending how good you are. My man. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so let's talk about that. Um, I, like I said, I think it's the most important thing. So what should leaders be like thinking about and talking about and emphasizing right now if they want to start having this prospecting uh, effort be something that starts to be more effective and more successful in the modern day? Because... You know, it's changed for sure in the last year. Yeah. So I think the the first piece is um, I'll I'll, t- I'll talk from personal experience. What I've Perfect. I've never I've never liked as a leader or even as a sales professional was um something changes in the marketplace. Okay. And the boss is all right. Go do this. It's gonna work. But they have no idea because they've never done it. They never done it. Uh, or they're not in the trenches to uncover what's really the problem. So I think the the first thing is as a leader. If, if your team is not where they need to be, the pipeline is not looking juiced up, and everyone's going to be eating ramen for months, and ramen's delicious, but not that good. So right. you want to make sure you help them. So the first thing you want to do is go and seek to understand. Go see what's really going on in their world. The mistake many people make is, many leaders make is, hey, okay, you know what? We're struggling on the phones. Hey, you know what? Let's ramp up email. Let's start doing LinkedIn. Let's start doing this, 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 and this, and this. And yes, maybe that'll work, but are you putting a bandaid, bandage over you know a bigger root issue? So go uncover number one. What are the real root issues they are running into? So for example, if you are you know you you're getting the feedback from the reps, you're you're in you know maybe you're you're like maybe you have a Zoom phone blitz or whatever whatever you're doing, and you are uncovering and listening in, and you're seeking to understand. Then from there, you determine your next steps. So mm. for example. Does that mean 
you know what? Maybe they, they forgot some of the fundamentals on phone work. Or maybe their emails are just not as crispy. Whatever it's going to be, seek to understand what the real root issue is and start focusing first on solving those things. Provide training, tools, resources, support, and help them overcome it. Now, if it's as simple as maybe it's just a discipline thing, how can you create some new habits for them? Ask them. Hey, team. Like I know we're booking less appointments this week than you know than ever before. We're talking individually. What are some things we could do as a team to help each other improve our results? See what they say. Because if you say, hey, listen, every day, guys, 8 to 10, we're on the phones, down the phones and reporting out, they're going to hate you. But make it their idea. Allow them to bring you the idea and work with them. Now, you may need to guide them a little bit. If they say, oh, you know what? I think we should probably make more calls. Yeah, sure, that makes sense, I guess. <laughs> but what, what, what should we do, guys? Well, I think if we if we did every single day, that'd probably help. Okay, cool. What would make sense? Uh, I don't know. Every day for at least a couple hours. Cool. What time would you guys like? <laughs> uh, you know, eight to ten, boss. Okay, cool. Is everyone good with that? You guys like that? And then you get, you commit. So now you're you're first first doing that. It's the first piece. Now perhaps maybe that that's going pretty well, and and there you need something more more spicy on there. Start digging a little bit deeper. Okay, cool. You know, like hey, you know what? Hey, team, next week. Like, I want, I want us to all really, really improve our results. So I just want you to come to the table next week with one new idea that you think could really help. And we'll bring all ideas together and we'll talk about it. And then we'll get some support around it to improve it. So now suddenly you're empowering them again. You're helping them be solution focused. They come to the idea now. Let's just say, for example, maybe they're not good because some of the ideas are just terrible. Like, that's, that's real, right? Right. No, you, for you, sure. You, you be ready too. Hey, I'm going to come to the idea of the t- a table with an idea as well too, right? And you can also steal shamelessly from online, right? So for example, you know, LinkedIn is a great way to prospect and maybe the team's not doing it very well. It might be like, okay, everyone's, everyone's sharing their ideas. Well, hey guys, listen, look, I found this article on Rev Genius on how we can send better video messages. What do you guys think? Do you guys like this? Yeah, that sounds pretty cool, boss. Hey, cool. So how about this? Today, I'm gonna choose ten people, and I'm gonna send it. Uh, I'm gonna send a, video, a new a message as well. How is everyone willing to commit to that as well? So now you're, you're noticing we're building some habits. We're getting people to buy into the concept. One of the most important things you can do as a leader is get them bought into the vision, so they want to do it, not because they have to do it. Mm. And you start with first, get them to bring up ideas, and then you start influencing them to, to be more bought in. And I'm not saying. Say, hey, guys, we're going to do this forever. Let's just try it out. Let's all try this out. And that's how you start introducing new ways of doing things. Because here's the thing. If they send, if they each send 10 video messages that are good, well-targeted, that are good, if you have a team of 10 reps, that's 100 messages, chances are pretty good. You'll probably have 20, 30 of them respond back if they do a good job. Well, I want to sit on this for a minute, too. Yes. I want to get into some best practices on video because Absolutely. I do think video is no longer a novel idea. I think it's right. a, it's like it's required. Yeah, we yes. just we have to be good at video. We have That's to right. figure out how to use it. So I want to get your take on that. Yes. But I'm going to put a pin in that one. I'm going to come back to it. I want to stay where we were for a second. A lot of work has been done on flexibility in the workplace. And I think too many people think it's work at home versus work in the office. And that's where you do your job. I don't know if enough have, have applied the flexibility to how you do your job. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. 100%. And I think that's what you just got done talking about is we need to create a place where creativity is celebrated. Uh, creativity is part of the culture. And we are like in hot pursuit of what is the next change that we need to be. You don't want to set yourself up as the leader of I'm on the pedestal. I'm the Oracle. I'm the know-it-all. Right. Uh, we're going to have a team where we figure this out together. That's right. Uh, can you spend a, like a minute on that? Like how, how important do you think it is to have flexibility in how you do your job? I, I think the where you do your job is really well documented, but is that other half as important, less important, equally important? Any thoughts on that? Yeah. So, um, you know, this may sound kind of weird, but I don't believe in work-life balance. I believe in work-life harmony. And I've always, I've always believed in that even before COVID hit. I've okay. always been a firm believer, like, you need to create a world that's already 24-7 into a place where there's harmony, but you are also not, like, just, like, feeling like you're stuck to your phone and your work all like, 24-7. Okay. So you have to learn how to create it together. So 
it's I, find, I believe it's so vital that you work as a team to figure out what's going to make sense. Now, you have to have some boundaries there, right? Because, well, if they only want to work like, you know, like late at night because they're a night owl, they want to sleep until noon and just work at night. Well, if who they're, who they're prospecting yeah. into the territory, if that doesn't work, it doesn't make any sense. They can't do their job. So they can't take away from the actual job function and their results. But there should be some flexibility in understanding what's going to make sense for people, right? So for, I'll give you an example. So... You know, the company I was with before, um, very old school, been around for a very, very long time. And the routine was every every single Monday was a 7 a.m. sales meeting. Every single Monday. That was, that's been set for decades, you know, which some people say it's cool. Some people are like, oh, I can't believe it's 7. Well, it's pretty early. But also, if people have, say, families or kids, and it, the whole daycare thing is, it becomes a whole different game to have to deal with. Mm. And so it, now you have different challenges you have to run into. And obviously... And early on, the sales force was pretty much the, – the sales were pretty much all male. So you had this whole, like, culture where, you know, the males are going to work and maybe the spouses were at home. And then suddenly you're in a situation where, like, you know, they, can, they can wake up early. But now it's a very diverse workforce. You can have 50, 50, 50, or, you know, 50, you know, 60, 40, whatever. And it's not being encompassing for families that have both people that work, people that have kids, multiple kids or whatever. So it right. becomes very hard. So – you know, one thing we did was, you know, we we didn't know that though until mm. we started asking and uncovering it, and so we started getting feedback from people. So we started shifting time to make making different moves and and coming together with a solution that made sense, right? So it was like, it was like coming in later here, no problem, and just changing some things around to make sure it was a good fit for everybody, right? It's not gonna be perfect every single time, but if you can get the majority for the most part to agree to a routine that everyone can be good with, that's so vital, and especially as we're in this future hybrid you know environment it's going to be no different where you do want to make sure you are talking with your team what's what's what is expected but also what's going to be reasonable that people are going to enjoy and you know uh be wanting to show up every single day because if the company you work for is very very rigid it's going to lead to them quitting and leaving Mm. like they're going to want to go work for somewhere else where it's a hundred percent remote they can have, choose their own hours, unlimited PTO, unlimited vacation, and they're going to go there instead. So the the faster a leader can adapt to understanding that's what's out there, the better they are going to be able to retain their people, keep them happy and engaged. And we all know turnover is a growth killer, and it costs you a lot of money. So start now with those conversations and start creating routines for the most part that you can get everyone to be bought into. That's going to allow for consistent growth for them to hit their personal goals and same with the company as well. I love it. <clears throat> I love it. I love it. That's really good. Thank you for that insight on flexibility because I think how you do your job is the next thing that people are going to realize you better you better make the, the, the work team in the modern workplace part of because I think this random number of X number of activities per day per person or else, I think those days are behind us, man. Oh, um, yeah. Well, and I think what's happening too is you're starting, you're, we're seeing a major shift in just uh, the job market and how people think about work. You know, yeah. like, like we have people now, we have, you know, teenagers, people in their 20s starting e-commerce stores on the side and they don't need to make millions of dollars, but if they can make... Fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year, and they don't have a lot of expenses, and they could do anywhere. They can go do that instead, you yep. know. So we're not creating these, these businesses or the freelance economy. They're gonna do contract jobs and just pick up jobs here and there, and just be. And they they care more about their time freedom. And if we do not adapt to that now, then the only people sticking around may not be the best talent around, because the best talent out there is figuring stuff out. You want those problem solvers, but you want to get them onto your team and helping them be successful in your own company before they go do on their own, right? It's, it's showing them that your company can be the vehicle to their dreams still, but you can't do that if you're not flexible. Let's, let's go back to the, one of the pins. Now I, I got like 10 minutes left in our conversation, <laughs> man. And I, 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 we knew, I knew with you it was going to go fast. And then you started dropping bombs early and I didn't even get to where we wanted to go, man. So, <laughs> but it's been better as a result. This has been really good. I, I think that this yeah. is a really, really timely conversation, Marcus. So thank you for your Absolutely. insights. Appreciate I, I want to talk about video for a second because we mentioned the pipelines, the lifeline. We mentioned that, you know, that's a place where we want discretionary effort to go. And that's probably where it will go because 
when you have deals that are happening and when you're in pursuit and closing, so you don't have to ask people to work on those. They want to close their deals, so they will. And so my experience has been discretionary effort shows up most often in what happens in the prospecting effort. I don't know what your thought totally. is, but yeah. Across it's, the board. Oh, yeah. 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 But I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's where it will show up. And that's one of the reasons why you want it because now it's it's done differently. And we mentioned video. I, I, I think that video was a novelty. And then when COVID hit, it became like the way that people just talked to everybody. But still, I think there's a lot of people that haven't figured out yet how to use video inside their organizations. Could you spend just a few minutes sharing some of the ways that you see video helping people kind of cut through the noise and, and maybe be a little different? Yeah, 100%. So um, video, so first off, I'm, I'm a firm believer that you know there's red ocean and blue ocean, right? Red ocean is what everyone's doing, which are templated messages, doesn't stand out, you get stuck in the sea of sameness, you can't differentiate. Okay. And then you have the blue ocean, which are doing things that, that take more effort. They are harder to do, and video is one of them, right? Because here's the thing. Most people, myself included, are very self-conscious. We're very self-conscious. We're very concerned about what other people think. So video, even though it's been like more – it sounds more normal now, many people are still very scared of video. So if you want to stand out, you can't do what everyone's doing in the, in the, in the sea of sameness in the red. you got to go into the blue ocean and do something different to stand out. It's nothing wildly crazy. It's just about doing video. And video, when done properly, can actually help you with every part of your funnel, from top of the funnel, breaking through the noise, to nurturing, to moving to a close as well. So let me give you some specific examples. So, for example, let's just say if you are prospecting. Okay. Whether you are on LinkedIn or you need to be doing a cold email, okay? Now, there's pros and cons to whether you want to include it in your first cold email or not because of spam filters or whatever. I still personally like the, the, I like the video in the first one. But when you are doing a video to begin with, it cuts right through the noise. Mm. They now know very quickly that you made a personal video for them. So, for example, let's just say you want to do cold email and you are on their website or on their LinkedIn page and you're using a tool. It could be any tool, Vidyar, BBmail, Loom, whatever. <clears throat> they can see your face. They can see it's clearly made for them. It's their profile or their company. And you are able to drop a 30-second to 45-second video that really opens a conversation up. And there's a couple different approaches, right? So I always recommend from a, fr a framework perspective, hi their name, a little bit of personalization, why you're reaching out, and if you want to give free value up front, which is, which is a great way to do it, or if you want to get, gain interest, that's fine as well. Usually value helps is a little more impactful, and then very, very soft call to action, all right? So that might sound something like, you know, uh, you know, hey, Rob, hey, first off, thanks so much for, uh, you know, uh, let me back up. Let's do uh, for an email. Hey, Rob, hey, so I want to tell you, uh, I've been listening to your podcast. I love your episode with Marcus Chan. That dude's a ball of energy. He's, he's a badass. He's, <laughs> he's hilarious. You know? yeah. Don't like his haircut, but whatever, right? You know? <laughs> Anyways. Hey, the reason I'm reaching out, uh, aside from your awesome podcast, is you know, you know, we currently work companies and we help them achieve X, Y, and Z. And I actually put together a uh, a little PDF guide that's going to help your company achieve X result without Y obstacle. Check it out. I hope you enjoy. Let me know your thoughts. See ya. Boom. That's a video. Thirty seconds long. You give them a little bit of value, a little bit of connection. You're laughing. It's okay if you mess up. Doesn't have to be perfect. Make sure you got good lighting and the audio sounds good. In that email now, you can have you know whatever. Uh, a good uh, subject line you want, and then it might be like, hi, Rob, I made you this quick personalized video, smiley face, screenshot or GIF or GIF of that video with the links in there as well, chat soon, boom, done. That's going to cut through the noise so much better than a templated email message, all right? Now, depending on your email sender deliverability, you might get caught in spam filters, right? That's a, diff that's a different conversation. But at the very least, that will cut through much faster. And you can do the same thing via LinkedIn video message as well. Same thing on your phone, drop mm. them the same, same video, and it cuts through the noise because most people are unwilling to do that. They're so you're doing what other people either choose not to do or just don't know how to do, which I like. Yeah, um, exactly, exactly right. That's how you stand out. Yeah. I w can I – I want to like we're, we are almost done, so we're going to finish on this, and then we'll finish with our rapid fire, like I do everyone. What you just described um, in structure, I, I mean, you mentioned several different tools. 
Like, is there a tool specifically that you think is better than others when it comes to video first before I say the next thing? I mean, I get asked that question a lot. I'd love so, you to take. So it so depends, right? So if you are going to do a video on LinkedIn, native in the app is going to convert the best. Okay. Absolutely best. So it's, it's just, you got to do, do it on your phone. It doesn't work in Sales Navigator in the inbox. You got to do the regular inbox, but it, works, it has a higher conversion. Okay. Um, if I'm if I if if you are doing Sales Navigator, you do have to use a third party app. Uh, I personally use Vidyard. Vidyard works great, super easy. I use a free version. There are other things out there. Now it doesn't have as good as analytics, right? So um, Drift has better analytics. BBMail has better analytics. So it depends on what you really want. But don't get stuck in it. Ultimately, the goal is gain trust, get them to know, like, and trust you, and book meetings. Okay, like don't get caught, don't get too caught up on uh, the tool or the analytics. The key is do the video, and you'll already stand out. All right. So the free version of these tools is a good place to start. That's where I'll start. Vidyard's what I use. We're going to use Loom. Loom's free as well. Very okay. easy to do. Second thing, what I liked is you gave a nice structure. And as I was taking notes, I wrote down, like, with a question mark, a movie trailer. So you're sending them a movie trailer of the main event. You want to send them something that makes them want to go to the movie, right? That's right. I mean, you didn't give them the movie. You gave them just, right. like, this little, like you said, 30 seconds. I mean, right. If you go over thirty seconds, are you going too long? Most likely, yeah. Usually are. Usually are because you want you, you you don't want to explain like if you can do, give like a freebie or giveaway away, you don't want to you don't want to, you don't want to sell it. It, mm. it. There should be no selling there. It, it should be like it should have enough of a hook that hooks them. You know, like you know, if it, for you it might be like, hey, I put together this guide for ten ways to reduce your turnover for your team without without you know I don't know without something that's the world of obstacle they have. And they're like, oh, cool. That sounds pretty good. I want to reduce turnover. Great. Love it. But now that they see value in that. Marcus, this was a great episode, dude. We are out of time. <laughs> and, and I have to pull the plug because we're out of time. And, and, and so I hope that we can invite you to come back another time and, and we, we go again. Um, this has been good. I want to finish the way, though, that we finished a lot. I think your, your insights are going to be killer. So I want to hit the rapid fire. Are you ready to rock and roll? Let's do it. Okay, number one, biggest sales leadership op- uh, challenge that you're seeing right now. It's, it, and how do you beat it? Mm. I'll say number well, the, tr- the true biggest issue is developing their people to be a next level leader, right? Mm. And what I mean by that is, um, yeah, they bring people in. Maybe they get good at sales, but they don't. But they don't help them become a, their their replacement. They don't help them get promoted, and that takes intentionally understanding who they are as a person, what their strengths and weaknesses are, and helping train develop those weaknesses out. So this way, they can replace you and get you promoted too. I like that. Great one. I think you're right. I think it takes a lot of confidence to do that too. You should totally. You should say whoever comes after me should actually be able to do my job better than me Correct. if I did my job right. Right. If you do, if you do a good job hiring, you are hiring people better than you. That's right. Okay. Number two, um, when you're building a team and you're hiring people, do you have like a go-to interview concept or interview question that you really love, and what are you looking for when you leverage it? Yeah. So, um, well, it's a couple different ones. I mean. Number one, I'm a huge fan of testing for skill, so okay. I'll role play with them. Whatever job function they're supposed like to go it. into, I like to role play specifically, but in the company they're at. So whatever company they're at, role play. Boom. Okay, hey, you're at your current company. Show me how you would make appointment. Let's go. I want to see how, how it goes. Those are very key. Another really simple, easy question. Hey, uh, I say, what's the name of your, your boss? Like, oh, it's, uh, it's Tony. Hey, if I was called Tony right now, what are three things you'd tell me he absolutely hates about you? <laughs> it's amazing what you hear from that. What's your reason that you like to use that? What are you looking for when you do that? Um, uh, well, number one, it's a pattern interrupt. That's as, as the key, right? They're like they're cool. thrown off, and instinctually, I want to see how do they act on the spot, right? What are they going to say? If they give me some canned answer, right? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to believe them. But if they're like, well, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things is is um, I have this, and it's okay. If they, I want them to tell me their weaknesses. That's all. That's all it is. So I can help see if it's a good fit. Still, really important. Last one: leaders or readers. Um, I don't care if it's a book that you're reading or an audible that you're listening to. And I don't care if it's bite-sized, like a podcast that you check out or a blog that you're reading. Anything you'd suggest our leaders start to get their hands on and consume if they want to advance their leadership journey? Yeah. So I think one of the most important things is um, in order to lead other people to the next level, you must become the best version of yourself. So one of my personal favorite ones is probably uh, High Performance Habits by Brendan Burchard. It's, it's a really great key. book. Yeah, I Fantastic love that book. book. You become the best version of you. You'll be a better leader, better better friend, better family member, better everything. 
All right, Marcus, this was awesome. How do they get more of you? How do people connect to you? How do they learn, uh, you know, how to get to the stuff that helps people make 50, 100, more, you know, it's, you know right away? I, 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 I'm going to endorse it as heavily as I can because I follow you. I, I get your stuff. I, I love your emails and the rest. How do they get more Marcus? Awesome, but I appreciate that. So number one, follow me on LinkedIn. It's the only guy with Speedos in the tagline. And number two, if you head to sixfiguresalesacademy.com, that's sixfiguresalesacademy.com, there's free trainings, free resources, free things that are going to help you sell more immediately. Okay. He, uh, he's Marcus Chan. He has been helping organizations and individuals tap into the power of discretionary effort individually and as teams, and as a result, see results that just haven't happened before. Marcus, you've been an incredible guest. I appreciate what you've done for the sales community. It's obvious why people like Salesforce has tapped you as someone that you got to keep your eyes on and be aligned with. And as I say to everyone, thanks for joining us, my friend, and happy selling. Thanks so much. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? How great was Marcus? Man, I love what that dude has done and what he represents. Um, Being the kind of leader that moves past the numbers and helps people transform who they are and what they accomplish. That is huge. It's so important for each of us. And honestly, it's one of the reasons I'm so proud to be working with Scipio. Because I can tell you from one sales leader to another that Scipio helps transform how you connect with your clients. Don't settle for an average texting platform. If you want to help your team have the best chances of connecting with their prospects, Scipio's worth checking out. Listen, I'm getting success stories almost every week from people that are using Scipio for their text messaging platform, and some sales leaders are telling me they're seeing a 40% improvement in show rate just by using Scipio because it transforms that conversation. And 40% is so big of a number, you can't afford not to at least give it a look. One reason of this is text messaging is the very best way to interact with clients and schedule more appointments. And the platform Scipio has, it's the most powerful one and the most personal one that I have ever seen. It's just that simple. So if you're looking to engage more with your clients and also working to get more of those prospects to your demos and discovery meetings, do yourself a favor. Start using Scipio. I know the people personally. I know they'll give you an amazing experience. And I want you to take advantage of one free month with no strings, compliments of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Head to Scipio.com. Tell them I sent you by using the promo code ROB, R-O-B, ROB. You'll be blown away how quickly the right text platform can change the game for the members of your team. Now, this podcast is also brought to you by my company, the Jepson Performance Group. Listen, companies have spent billions on sales training, sales tools, sales process, and those same companies, they usually leave us as the sales leaders on our own to figure out what the leadership model needs to look like. And while I'll tell you there's no shortcuts to success, You will get there faster if you take the most direct route. And if you like the content of this podcast, you will love my self-serve tool for sales leaders. It's my Patreon community, Sales Leadership United. I've got my very best content, over 100 hours of training materials. You're going to find everything you need in my Patreon community to build your own sales leadership strategy. And if you've never had a coach in your corner, I'm telling you, now is the time to give it a try. Because the greatest performers in the world in every discipline, they invest in themselves. So save your most precious resource, your time. Small improvements, they create disproportionate results in both sales and sales leadership. And if you want to win just a little more, just a little faster, what you'll find is you'll create massive results. And if you want to find those small advantages that create those big results, hit me up. Let's talk about what happens in our world and how we can help get you there faster. Now, back to my man, Marcus. Marcus is a big deal in the sales and sales leadership world. I've been following him for a long time now. He's one of the people that have really had an influence on me. And I hope today you got a taste of why. Marcus is a guy that has done it, is doing it, and will keep on doing it for a long time. And today, I loved his emphasis. When we got started, where he went right out of the box, his his first tool out of the toolkit, it should open a lot of your eyes, okay? Because he's right. The great leaders are not transactional ones. And if you're still leading by the spreadsheet, I got news for you. 2012 has called and they want that spreadsheet back. I I, I can't say it any simpler than that. That day of spreadsheet leadership, it's got to end. 
Marcus is dead on. Transformational leaders connect to the person, not just to the performance. And those that do what Marcus suggests, they get that holy grail of sales leadership. And I love that he pointed it out. I think he's the first person in the show history to point it out. It's discretionary effort. Discretionary effort is what happens when you move past doing what you have to do and you start doing what you want to do. And one of my the favorite things that Marcus talked about today is something that I don't hear used very often, the Individual Development Plan, or the IDP. Now, too many people think having a development plan is a punitive thing that's reserved for underperformers. But I believe, and what I do, is I believe that the IDP is your tool to help you stay aligned to the goals of the individual. Because not enough of us are aligning the goals of the reps with the goals and needs of the company. We just lay down expectations of performance and then we cross our fingers hoping that they'll get there. So my advice is go back and look at those parts of this episode where Marcus talks about using the IDP. It becomes the foundation of your one-on-one conversations and it needs to be updated every six months. And guess what? It's going to add jet fuel to the work that you do as a leader. So this week, do a self-assessment on whether you're a transformational or a transactional leader. And if you're doing it by yourself, like really be on, honest with yourself. Marcus gives some pretty good insights for you to know which one you are. I would think most of the time we are transactional for reasons that we discussed on this show. Be willing to make the effort, take the time, make the changes to be a transformational leader, not just a transactional one. Okay, And so do simple things like don't just count activities. Instead, make your activities count. Don't just check in with your one-on-ones. Make your one-on-ones count, right? Are you serving your reps and are you empowering them? Are you talking about those root cause issues that Marcus talked about? But above all, don't just push the more button. Listen, I said in this episode myself, the more button's healthy. It's important. You know, we all sign up for it when we take a job in sales. But you got to make sure you're connecting and serving those that you lead. Because really, honestly, if I'm serious, there's not much to managing, okay? It's as simple as counting activities, warning those that don't comply, you know, um, telling people to toe the line, uh, celebrating successes when they happen. But the great leaders do much, much more than that. Once you start to understand how that service that he talked about right at the beginning leads to discretionary effort, you'll very quickly realize why it was the first thing Marcus wanted to talk about today. And leaders that talk, they are able to tap into this, they have this massive, massive, massive defensible and unfair competitive advantage. But here's what's cool. That unfair and defensible competitive advantage, it's available to every single sales leader. It's called discretionary effort. So go get it. This week, start that quest to go get it. Marcus, my man, thanks for joining me this week. What an important topic. You are a beast, and I love this conversation so much. And Marcus is right. The way you lead will drive everything. Don't be a transactional leader. Don't get the digits wrong. It's not 2012. It's 2021. And we need leaders that lead by helping reps become the versions of themselves they want to be. By tapping into the things they care about and helping them get there for reasons that matter to them. And if you haven't already, connect with Marcus. You know, if you're on the journey of becoming an elite sales leader, Marcus is someone you're going to want to be connected to. And his content is fire. Anyway, thanks so much, Marcus. It was amazing. I appreciate having you. And I also appreciate having Scipio. If you haven't done so already, head over to Scipio.com and take advantage of the free one-month trial by using the offer yourself. Communicate with your prospects the way they want to be communicated to. Find out all about it by using my promo code ROB and watch your results change faster than you thought possible. Finally, each of you are listeners. Man, thanks for joining us. It's been a great ride. Three years, uh, about half a million downloads. I mean, the company, the the podcast has grown so fast and come so far. And, and if you like what Marcus had to say today, please give us a five-star review on iTunes. I can't tell you how far it goes in helping me get the best show, best guests in the world on our show. So I want to finish the way I always do. I want to remind you to be elite. Don't be afraid of being elite. Live strong. Chase your passion. And don't worry. Just execute. Because don't ever forget the fact that we got you.
Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.